at this time of the year, we could not help, obviously, but preach on the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so this morning, I'm going to ask you to take your Bibles and make your way to the New Testament book of Matthew, the very first book in the New Testament. We're going to begin reading in Matthew chapter number 1, verse number 18, obviously a very familiar passage of Scripture. Matthew chapter number 1, verse number 18. We are going to read from verse 18 down through the end of the chapter. However, we will take our text verses from within this passage. So Matthew chapter number 1, notice, begin reading with me in verse number 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth the Son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and she shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. This passage of Scripture details the events of the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. In other words, this is the way that it happened, right? And what... Matthew is describing for us is literally the divine birth of Jesus. Now, we read verses 18 through 25, but our text verses will be verse 20 down through verse 23, and we want to meditate and dwell on this topic this morning, the divine birth of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the time we could spend in your house today. And Lord, we rejoice that we understand and recognize the birth of the Savior, Jesus Christ. And Lord, we thank you that you've brought us to a place where we don't just recognize it and understand it in our heads, but we have felt it in our hearts. And Lord, the birth of Jesus Christ means something to us spiritually. Lord, I pray that during this time of the year where we do... Uh, focus on time with family and we focus on enjoying each other's company. I pray that, Lord, we do this time of the year focus on the birth of Jesus and that we take it further than that and we recognize why Jesus was born. I pray, Lord, that as we discuss this topic this morning, the divine birth of Jesus, that you would speak to our hearts and have your own will and way, whether it be for salvation, whether it be to draw saints closer to you. Whatever the purpose, we pray that in all of it, you might get glory to your name through Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. The divine birth of Jesus, it is truly a special time of the year, is it not? 
It's a time when our hearts and our minds can't help but turn to the birth of our dear Savior, Jesus. Now, it isn't the timing of the event. It isn't the timing of the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ that captivates our attention because we know that Jesus was not born in December. But it is the person behind the event. We celebrate not just the birth of anybody, but the divine birth of Jesus, our Savior. Now, as I have long contended, since Scripture records in both the Old Testament and the New Testament the birth of the Messiah, the Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, it is quite proper for us as the Lord's people to give our attention to such a momentous event. Matthew's version, and of course I say Matthew's version, and we, may, we, we will go to Luke's version as well this morning, but Matthew's version of the events here recorded focus on Jesus' divine birth. Now the word divine literally means pertaining to the true God or proceeding from God. And I submit to you with that thought in mind, Jesus' birth was unlike any other birth. It was a divine birth. Now at this time of the year, in the midst of our hustle and bustle and being busy and so trodden down with all that this time of the year brings, we should take some time to meditate on the divine birth of Jesus. And I specifically would challenge you this morning to consider the tremendous impact of Jesus' divine birth. And I believe that this impact is revealed in three divine elements that we see in verses 20 through 23, and it's those divine elements that I want to spend our time looking at this morning. Here they are, these three divine elements of Jesus' divine birth. First of all, we see a divine conception, a divine conception. Secondly, we will note a divine collection. And then thirdly, we will see in Jesus' divine birth a divine connection. Three divine elements that are revealed here in Matthew chapter number 1, verses 20 through 23, that relate to the divine birth of Jesus. Let's begin by looking at this first divine element. It is revealed in verse number 20. It is a divine conception. Look at verse 20 again. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him. And of course you understand the he and the him is Joseph, right? The angel of the Lord appeared unto him, Joseph, in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife. Now watch. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Now, it's not our intent this morning to go back into the, the Old Testament uh, and look at verses that detail the, the study or, or the practice, rather, of betrothal. The Jews practice betrothal. And you'll notice that the wording for Mary is that she is Joseph's wife. 
Now they haven't really come together yet in marriage. She is betrothed to Joseph. And in the eyes of the Jews, that was the same thing as being married. And so until they had come together, they would not consummate the marriage, right? Even though they were considered to be married, they would not do what married couples do in order to have children. Now you can imagine Joseph's angst when he discovers that though they have not been brought together yet in marriage, Mary is pregnant. Okay? You can imagine the angst and him thinking, man, what, what, what on earth is going on here? And so Joseph determines in his heart and he's pondering in his heart that he's going to put Mary away privately. The words put away means he's going to divorce her. Okay? And he's not going to publish it on the headlines of the morning paper. Oh, Mary was unfaithful to me. She's with child and we haven't come together in marriage yet. By the way, you'll always know an abuser. Because the abuser wants to broadcast all the harm that has been done to him or her. Joseph didn't do that. Joseph was privately wanting to allow Mary to keep her dignity and he was going to put her away privately. And as he's thinking on these things, the angel, and some people believe it's the angel Gabriel, Gabriel's the angel that appears to Elizabeth and then Mary in Luke chapter number 1, uh, but whatever angel it is, appears to Joseph in this dream, and he instructs Joseph that Mary has in fact not been unfaithful to him, that she has conceived, how? In verse 20, she has conceived, that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. This is a divine conception. And I submit to you this morning that Jesus' divine birth was enabled by a divine conception. I want to ask you this this morning. Do you really believe in the, in the virgin birth? Do you really believe that? Pew Research has conducted studies as, as it relates to those who believe in the virgin birth in our country going back years. And it, back in 2005, 80% of those that were surveyed by the Pew Research poll said that they believed that Jesus was born of a virgin. 80%. And then in 2014, that was down to 73%. And now... Here, just a few years back, that figure is down to 66%. Okay, so it, it's important for us to question whether or not we really grasp and believe in the divine conception, the virgin birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, as it relates to this divine conception, and we're going to mention some things this morning that are not necessarily going to knock you off your feet as new material, as it relates to new material. We're going over what the Bible says, and you've heard these truths for years uh, and read them in the Holy Scriptures. Now, as it relates to this divine element of Jesus' divine birth, a divine conception, you know and I know that this was first of all prophesied. The divine conception was prophesied. And it was prophesied in the Old Testament. Matthew, if you caught and paid attention to what we were reading, and these are two of our text verses this morning, Matthew provides context to the divine 
conception of the Lord Jesus Christ being prophesied in the Old Testament because look what he writes about in Matthew chapter number 1 verses 22 and 23. Look at Matthew chapter 1 verses 22 and 23. Matthew writes, Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet. What prophet is Matthew writing? By the way, this is not the angel talking. This is Matthew writing and giving us context for what is happening and talking about this divine conception, the virgin birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew is going back and citing and referencing who? Isaiah the prophet. He, he references Isaiah the prophet. And in verse 22, read on saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. And so so Matthew provides context for what Isaiah prophesied over 700 years before Jesus Christ was born in Bethlehem. In fact, Isaiah chapter 7 and verse number 14 is the actual reference, and I read that to you this morning. In Isaiah chapter 7 and verse number 14, Therefore the Lord Himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. We're talking about the divine birth of Jesus that was enabled by a divine conception. In Matthew chapter number 1, verse number 18, let's read that again. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child how? Of the Holy Ghost. Beloved, there is cause for celebration today. There is cause, regardless of what your views are on Christmas, There is cause for celebration when we think about the virgin birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. That He was divinely conceived. It was prophesied in the Old Testament. But did you know that it was also prophesied in the New Testament? Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Luke. Turn with me to Luke chapter number 1. Do you know that the angel appeared to Mary and prophesied? of the divine conception of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at Luke chapter number 1, beginning in verse number 30. Luke chapter number 1, verse number 30. And of course, we know that this is the angel Gabriel that is speaking to Mary. We find that in verse number 26. But notice Luke chapter number 1, verse number 30. And the angel said unto her, Mary, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth the Son, and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? Literally, she is saying, I have not consummated the marriage vows with Joseph. I have not done this with anyone else. It is not possible that I could have a child. And then notice, and the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. 
Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. That is a prophecy by Gabriel the angel to Mary of the divine conception. And by the way, don't get it confused this morning, right? It's not the immaculate conception in the sense that Mary was without sin. This is the divine conception in that Mary, though a sinner herself and in need of a Savior to forgive her sins, though she had not known man in, in, in a marital way, she would give birth to the Savior, Jesus Christ. This is a divine conception that enabled the divine birth of Jesus. We see it was prophesied. And we understand as it relates to this divine conception that it provided for Jesus' perfection. It provided for Jesus' perfection. Jesus was very God and very man, and we refer to this, and you've heard this before, we refer to this as the hypostatic union, right? God, very God, all of God, very man, all of man. And you say, well, can you explain that to me? And I say, no way can I explain that to you. We must trust God that that is the case. But here's the point. Because Jesus was divinely conceived, He was not conceived in the natural way that you and I were conceived. And therefore, because he was not conceived in the natural way that you and I were conceived, hold on to your seats, Jesus had no sin nature. He had no sin nature. We are born into this world, and we are born astray, apart from God. What did David write in Psalm 51 and verse number 5? Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. He's not talking about the act that took place to conceive David, but he's talking about the fact that he is a sinner by nature. We are all sinners by nature. We have a human father and a human mother. Jesus didn't have a human father and a human mother. He had a human mother. That which was conceived in Mary was of the Holy Ghost. And so Jesus did not have this sin or flesh nature that you and I have. This was important. Because the Savior that was to come, He was to have a divine nature by which He would be rendered perfect in the sight of the Heavenly Father. Some folks say, well, you know, Jesus Jesus didn't sin, but He could have. Do you understand what you're saying when you make that argument? You are saying that Jesus has the same fleshly sin nature that you and I have. And if you've studied the depravity of man, and we looked at that a few weeks ago, we are completely and totally depraved until the Lord saves us and imparts a new nature. Jesus didn't need a new nature to be imparted. He had one nature. Though He was very man, He was very God. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter number 7. Hebrews chapter number 7, and I want you to notice here, and again, we've looked at these verses before. Hebrews chapter number 7, and uh, notice verses 25 through 27. In Hebrews chapter 7, verses 25 through 27. For such a high priest, this is talking about Jesus, became us who is holy, 
harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens, who needeth not daily as those high priests who offer up sacrifice, first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once when he offered up himself. Jesus Christ, and I, I'm sorry, I didn't read verse 25. We began at verse 26. I apologize for that. But Jesus was unlike any other person that has ever been born on this earth. You notice that it says that Jesus is holy in verse 26. He's holy. That word literally means hallowed, with divine character, pure from defilement. That is Jesus. And I submit to you that that relates back to the divine birth of Jesus that was enabled by the divine conception of Jesus the divine conception of Jesus was prophesied. It provided for Jesus' perfection. And because of the divine conception, He had power due to His purity. He had power. Because Jesus was without the sin nature, He could not sin. And because He could not sin, He did not sin. And because He did not sin, He was in every way qualified to be our Savior. He has power to forgive sin and power because of His purity to serve as our sin sacrifice. Listen to these verses and you won't be able to turn to these quickly. I want to read them quickly for time's sake. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21. For He hath made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. In 1 John chapter 3 and verse number 5, and ye know that He, Jesus, was manifested, or He was born, to take away our sins, and in Him is no sin. And then in Hebrews, we just read some verses in Hebrews. In Hebrews chapter number 9, verse number 14, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit, offered Himself without spot to God? Purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And then finally, Peter in 1 Peter chapter number 1 verses 18 and 19 for as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers verse 19 but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot Jesus Christ was pure thus he had the power to be our savior it, it, we're not going to turn to Luke chapter number 2 but in Luke chapter number 2, the angel appears to the shepherds out in the field and he delivers this message. This is goodwill to men coming from God. And why was there goodwill coming from God? Verse 11, For unto you is born this day in the city of David, what? A Savior, which is Christ the Lord. If there had been no divine birth, there could be no Savior. If there was no divine conception, there could be no Savior because Jesus would have been born like you and I and nothing would have set Him apart. But as we read in the book of Hebrews chapter 7, He is separated from sinners. He was divinely conceived. So the first divine element of the divine birth of Jesus is a divine conception. But we notice secondly, in verse number 21 of Matthew chapter number 1, a divine collection. A divine collection. Look at verse 21 of Matthew chapter number 1. And she, Mary, shall bring forth a son, and thou, Joseph, shall call his name Jesus, 
for he shall save his people from their sins. Here we see a divine collection. This is a divine collection that Jesus assembles. Jesus brings together a group of people. It's a large group of people. It's as the stars in the heavens. But Jesus' divine conception enables Him to assemble a divine collection. And this divine collection are known as His people. Are you one of His people this morning? Have you been saved by the grace of God? You know, look, it's, it's one thing to know in our minds the story of Jesus. And we see the manger and we know that story in our heads. It's one thing to know that and to be able to tell that story. But to know it in your heart and to know that this babe that was born in a manger because there was no room for him in the inn, this little child that was divinely conceived was conceived for the purpose of coming to this earth to forgive my sin. And He is my Savior. Do you know that this morning? Because if you do, you know what you are? You're one of His people. You're part of this divine collection. We don't know who is, who is part of this divine collection. God knows who's part of the divine collection. We don't. We don't know somebody's true heart. Uh, you know my testimony. I was a lost church member for five years. I looked the part. But I wasn't one of His people until the Lord revealed in me the truth of the divine birth. We see in verse 21 a divine collection. Now notice as it relates to this divine collection, first of all it begins with a proclamation. A proclamation. And she shall bring forth a son. This is not going to be just any child. This is going to be a son that Mary's going to bring forth. And this is important because the prophecy of the Lord Jesus Christ or the coming Messiah, again as prophesied by Isaiah the prophet, in Isaiah chapter number 9 and verse number 6, says what? For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. It was important that this collection of people that would be called His people, this would, be, this would be assembled by the Son of God, Jesus Christ. There's a proclamation. But then notice there's a prescription. Uh, I, I believe Jared went to the, the uh, pharmacy this morning to pick up a prescription for Gracie. And we thought, well, to think of, think of a prescription as well, the doctor wrote a prescription for medicine. Well, the word prescription literally means a directive. That's what it means. It's a directive. The doctor writes a directive for the pharmacist to fill this medicine. That's a prescription. Well, we find here in verse number 21 that there's not only a proclamation, but a prescription. There's a directive issued. And she shall bring forth the son... And thou shalt call his name Jesus. Joseph is to name this child Jesus. Thou shalt call his name Jesus. Now, do you know, and you, you should if you've paid attention at all in past messages, we preached the message on, on Joshua, right? Do you know that the Hebrew Joshua is Jesus? I preached a message entitled Joshua, Jesus our Joshua. They're the same name. 
In fact, in the Hebrew, it is Yeshua, Yeshua, which means Yahweh or Jehovah is salvation. The Greek word for Jesus is Iesus, Iesus, and it, it literally means that Jehovah saves. This is why Joseph was to give his son, which was divinely conceived this name, because he would be the Savior. And then notice, there's not only a prescription, but a promise. In verse number 21, And she shall bring forth the Son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall. For he shall. Now, he shall what? He shall save his people from their sins. This is a promise. It is a promise that if you have been led by the Spirit of God to come to Jesus for forgiveness and place your faith in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ, not the, not the babe in a manger, but the 33-year-old man who was crucified and slain, if you believe that Jesus' death on the cross is enough to pay for your sins, you know what? There's the promise that He'll forgive you. He shall, He shall save His people from their sins. There's no possibility that Jesus would not save His people from their sins. The angel testifies to Joseph, He shall save His people from their sins. So there's a promise. And then there's a protection and a preservation. Because what does the promise relate to? He shall save His people from their sins. The word save literally means to deliver, to protect, to preserve. And it, uh, if you look at Thayer's, it means to rescue or preserve one who is in danger of destruction. And you know what? You and I are in danger of destruction. We were talking... Uh, over the last few days, I don't know if you saw this, there's a former NFL football player, wide receiver by the name of Mike Williams. He's 36 years old, and uh, he died. Got, he got an infection. He had some tooth problems. He got an infection, an abscess that went to his brain and killed him. 36-year-old guy. You, you don't expect a 36-year-old former football player who appears to be in good health to just die, right? I mean, that's not normal. We don't know when we're going to pass from this earth. But we do know this. When we do, we're in danger of destruction if our sins have not been forgiven in the sight of God. And what's the only way they can be forgiven? Through this child that was born. Jesus Christ. He is assembling a divine collection. And now we get to really the crux of the matter here that we're talking about in verse number 21 we see this protection and preservation but lastly we see that this was all for a particular people notice in verse 21 for he shall save his people don't get mad at me this morning i I didn't write the bible i'm just reading to you what the bible says for he shall save his people from their sins all whether Jew or Gentile who are saved by the grace of God who are given as a gift to the Son are His people you don't know who His people are you say well I'm only going to witness to this group of people because they're His people and this group of people they're not His people 
You have no idea what you're talking about. Man, anybody has the capacity to be His people. We don't know who they are. They don't walk around with something on their forehead that says, His people. We don't know who they are, but He does. And all that are given to Him by the Father are His people. I remind you of John chapter 6, verse 37. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. This is Jesus speaking. And him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. You see, there is a people that are given to the Son by the Father. That's what the Bible says. I can't explain that. I would just trust what God says in His Word. And these are His people. Jesus assembles a divine collection. His people. And He can do that because of His divine birth. There's a divine conception. There's a divine collection. And then lastly, in verses 22 and 23, we've already alluded to these verses, but we spent a little bit more time this morning. There is a divine connection. In the birth of Jesus, the divine birth, there's a divine conception, there's a divine collection, there's a divine connection. Jesus' divine birth enables us to have a divine connection with God. Can a man know God? Man can know God through the divine birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. You ever think about that when you're praying? And I, I assume and I hope that you do pray. You ever think about that when you're praying that you're, you're, you're talking to God? You're talking to the God that formed the heavens and the earth out of nothing. He's the only one that can form something out of nothing. We can take a piece of wood, we can take some, some two-by-fours and some wood, and we can cut that up and we can make something out of it, but we didn't make the wood. God can make something out of nothing. <laughs> Think about that. You talk to God. God can be known. And I'm going to tell you what, if you ever sit down and you say, and I kind of want to wrap my head around this. Don't do it. <laughs> Don't do it. You can't reason it out. The natural man says, are you guys kidding me? Are you nuts? You believe that a virgin had a child? Are you crazy? You really believe that you can talk to God? You really believe that you can know God? I do. I do. Because the Holy Scripture tells us that in the divine birth of Jesus... There is a divine connection. Jesus' divine birth enables us to have a divine connection with God. Now, notice in our text verses, Matthew points to the words of the prophet. We've already talked about this, but we must re-engage here. This is Isaiah's prophecy of the virgin birth. And don't miss this. What Matthew is doing is he is going back, first of all, to the preeminence of the Bible. The preeminence of the Holy Scriptures. What's he do? In verse 22, Matthew, remember this is Matthew writing, Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which is spoken of the Lord by the prophet. He takes us back to Holy Scripture. How do you know Jesus was born of a virgin? Because we have the Bible. And the Bible tells us. The scriptures tell us 
I love what Spurgeon, and again, I, I can't I can't preach unless I give you a quote from Spurgeon. Okay, Spurgeon wrote this in reference to uh, what Matthew is doing here and what Joseph is experiencing uh, here in verses 22 and 23. Spurgeon writes, To cheer Joseph and decide his mind, Holy Scripture is brought to his remembrance. And truly, when we are in a dilemma, nothing gives us such confidence in going forward as the sacred oracles impressed upon the heart. How conversant was Joseph with the prophets to have their words before him in a dream. Do you understand the importance of the Bible? The importance of the Holy Scriptures? That without the Scriptures, we know nothing of the divine birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. We know nothing of the divine conception of the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. Some people say, well, I can't, I can't understand the Old Testament, so I'm going to just stay in the New Testament. Well, when you stay in the New Testament, you're going to read the Old Testament. Because... The Word of God references the Old Testament and the New Testament, and that's what uh, Matthew was doing here. Matthew points back to the prophet as it relates to this divine connection, and he says, in essence, you can know God, you can know God by the divine birth of His Son, but you can know God by the Holy Scriptures in the Bible, by the words of the prophet. And then notice, don't miss this, Matthew looks to the priority of, to behold the priority to behold in verse number 23 Matthew writes behold a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth the son and they shall call his name Emmanuel which being interpreted is God with us now this and you know this from reading various scriptures in the New Testament that are uh, that are allusions or quotations or references from the Old Testament you know that a lot of times they're not quoted exactly Right? You know, sometimes we say we paraphrase. And, you know, you might not be able to quote a particular verse, but you can paraphrase that verse and convey the meaning of that verse. Oftentimes in the New Testament, that's the way the Old Testament scriptures are referenced. But do you know in this instance, Matthew was careful to point out that the verse in Isaiah chapter number 7 and verse number 14 contains that key word, behold. And Matthew makes sure to write here in verse 23, behold. Behold, a virgin shall be with child. This is important. The word behold is placed there for a purpose. It is to get us to see the priority of heeding what the Word of God and the Bible has to say. Behold, a virgin shall conceive. In other words, this is important. This is to raise our attention that what is to be said afterwards is vitally important. It is something that will if I could speak in today's vernacular, or maybe yesteryear's, it'll blow your mind. When you hear what is about to be said, behold, behold, a virgin is going to conceive. What? No way. Yes way. A virgin shall conceive. And so, so in this divine connection, Matthew points back to the prophet. And in this divine connection that we see through the divine birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, Matthew proves the divine presence. He proves the divine presence. What does verse 23 say in the last part of verse 23? And they shall call His name Emmanuel. Emmanuel. Why? Why Emmanuel? 
which being interpreted is God with us. There's the connection. There's the divine connection. God is with us. God with us would not be possible without the divine birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because what Matthew means to say here, and what is meant by the prophet Isaiah when he said his name would be called Emmanuel, which is God with us, he's meaning to say that the divine nature of God was united with man, and the divine nature of God was united with man in the person of Jesus. Therefore, if you've seen Jesus, you've seen God. If you know Jesus, you know God. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. And if Jesus loves me, you know what else? God loves me. Man, I'll tell you what. This morning, that ought to give you some excitement in the house of God. To know that we are loved of God Through the divine birth of His dear Son, there is a connection that is made. God with us. We don't serve Jesus on a crucifix. We don't mourn the death of Jesus and that He's dead and no longer with us. Jesus Christ was crucified. And after three days, He rose again bodily and physically from the grave. God is with us. Emmanuel. I love what Albert Barnes wrote on this topic. Barnes writes in reference again to Matthew writing, he writes, He had just given an account of the miraculous conception of Jesus, of His being begotten by the Holy Spirit. God was therefore His Father. He, Jesus, was divine as well as human. His appropriate name therefore was God with. Paul wrote to Timothy about this amazing truth, this divine connection. He wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter number 3 and verse number 16, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ. He wrote, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. God with us. Justified in the Spirit. Seen of angels preached under the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. Who does that describe? Jesus. That describes Jesus. Oh, beloved, because of the divine birth of Jesus, we can have a divine connection with God. We don't know what we're going to be when we're in heaven. But we know this. Now, now are we the sons of God. We're sinful creatures. We're not deserving of the least bit of God's mercy and kindness to us. And yet Jesus Christ was born in a manger, conceived divinely, grew into a man, came not to to be ministered unto, but to minister, and gave His life a ransom for many. And you and I this morning can have a divine connection with God because of the divine birth of His dear Son, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of the Father. I hope you know Him. It's a wonderful time of the year, isn't it, man? I, I, I'm enjoying myself. I have the family here. 
get to see Zeke and Wyatt fight and wrestle. Uh, you know, it, it's just a good time, okay? Um, but none of it is enjoyable without the divine connection with God that is made possible through the divine birth of Jesus. And the divine birth of Jesus was only possible through the divine conception. And then as he was divinely conceived, that gave him the power and the ability to assemble this divine collection. He shall save his people from their sins. And because of that, we have that divine connection. Jesus' divine birth should lead us to a love of, and if we already have a love of, a greater love of our Heavenly Father. Robert Louis Stevenson, the Scottish author, wrote Treasure Island and various other epic works. He, he famously said this, and we'll, we'll, we'll conclude with this quote. Loving God, help us remember the birth of Jesus, that we may share in the song of the angels, the gladness of the shepherds and the worship of the wise man. Let us recognize Jesus and specifically at this time of the year, the divine birth of Jesus. Let's pray.